Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander and as always, I am joined by my two co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies from a modern cinematic context. Um, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the 1986 yes. classic sports underdog film Hoosier starring Gene Hackman. But before we Which get is into- about? Hoosiers. <laughs> and it's about a basketball team in rural Indiana mm-hmm. um, that's very from a very small school. They get a new coach who's recover um, who comes from a uh, he's trying to get a second chance at coaching, and he tries to take this team all the way to the state championship. Is that good enough? That sounds good. That's fantastic. Right. Beautiful, actually. I know, amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, before I continue, I should mention that you can find us at reviewedpodcast.com at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast. And uh, contact at reviewedpodcast.com. I, I like how I said that. I don't even know what I'm like. <laughs> I'm not even sure what the email address is. Contact <laughs> at reviewedpodcast.com. Sounds good. And, uh, that sounds good, right? Yeah. Sounds <laughs> okay. like it might be work. Great. Working, great. Awesome. And um, why don't we listen to a clip from the uh, Hoosiers trailer now? These six individuals have made the choice to work, the choice to sacrifice put themselves on the line to represent you, this high school. This is your team. Hoosiers. They needed a second chance to finish first. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the championship game. You're not the new coach. Are you expecting somebody different? <laughs> Younger. Both incredible and improbable confrontation. Well, those of you who don't know, my name is Norman Dale. I coached college ball for 10 years, but it's been 12 years since I've blown this. In the illustrious history of the Indiana High School basketball tournament. That's a hell of a team you had there. You knew that team? I know everything there is to know about the greatest game ever invented. With a pint size hardly big enough for three syllables, Hickory Huskers enrollment 64. Out of here. Right now. You're kicking me out? Okay, back. Don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back. And we are back. God, that was a great clip. That Ivan. was such a good clip. It's, it's almost like it wasn't edited in afterwards. Um, so this is a, a very, very famous movie. And Dave, you're the one who chose it, correct? I am the one who chose it. So yeah. I'm going to, uh, usually I ask Mike first what he thinks. And I'm going to do that. But I just want to quickly ask why. why <laughs> I'm going to do that next week. This week, Dave, why don't you start us off? I just want to know why you thought this was worthy of a review. review. Well, there's something about this time of year um, that I associate with uh, Hoosiers, and that's not—it's not just sports, but it's just the, the kind of the feeling in the air, the chill in the air, the uh, the leaves changing. Not to get all uh, you know sentimental and romantic on you guys, but it's uh, there's something very, very. Uh, this is my favorite time of year, and Hoosiers is one of those movies that uh, really captured. The, the spirit of this time of year, I think, and uh, there's something I've always liked about small town life and and uh, you know redemption stories and that kind of stuff. And I feel like we haven't done a lot of you know we've done some feel good movies, but we haven't done a movie that I would consider inspirational. And this is one of the best inspirational movies. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Dave. I don't. No, no. I mean, we did a Field of Dreams, but that's less inspirational like, and more. Mike's like, you know, we did do Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, <laughs> uh, I suggested Mrs. Doubtfire, Dave, and I don't know why no, that was shut down. I wouldn't find Mrs. Doubtfire inspiring. I'd find it maybe humorous. <laughs> you should start cross dressing. Anyway, continue. Anyway, um, no, it is a good point because we did Jaws at the beginning of the summer, mm-hmm. and that's like the perfect summer movie. Mm-hmm. And in uh, rewatching this movie, which I've seen as well, mm-hmm. um, even just the opening shots of this film mm-hmm. are just so mm-hmm. evocative of a time of year. Right. And it's it's a little bit past a little bit colder than we are now, mm-hmm. but just shots of wheat fields yeah. and the sun the sun rising and it looked there's you can feel yeah. the chill in the air. Yeah. The production design is all brown, orange, like mm-hmm. blue, yellow, like you know, you colors that you Earth associate tones, with. Yeah. Autumn. Autumnal. Right. I mean everything is uh has this warm feeling to it. You know, the score is a very warm, inspirational score. The the score, with the score, or the 1980s synth drums and synth, uh, synth. Hey, we are we are going to we are going to talk about this. We are going I, to talk about that because that needs to be discussed. Because okay. I was just reading about 
Jerry Goldsmith and his uh, score for Hoosiers, which is nominated for an Academy Award. Which means it's Justifiably amazing. so. Uh, which means... Uh, okay, right. but, but, but we're getting way ahead of ourselves. So, Mike, <laughs> have you seen Hoosiers before? No, I have not. Uh, there we yeah, go. Okay. There, okay, let's get That's that out, out of the way. way. Okay. <laughs> um, what did you think? Um, I liked it. I don't know how you can not like the movie. I think it's uh, it's a classic. I understand why it's a classic. It's warm. It's happy. It's feel good. It's redemptive. It's it's everything you want in a sports underdog movie. Um, I think it does it in, a, in its own unique way. I think it's a little formulaic, but not in a way that is is detracting. I don't think I you know I'm sitting here like oh god, you know this is where they have to do that. In fact, at one point I assumed that, that you know one of the characters, Jimmy, the, the hero basketball player, I assumed he was going to injure himself and they had to do it without mm-hmm. him. And they didn't do that, so I think some things were, were pretty, uh, pretty original, and pretty fresh, and I, I enjoyed that. Like you said, it's very evocative. That was something I definitely felt myself. It feels so fall autumnal. It's, everything is just you can you can just feel it. Um, and that same attention to detail, I think, was brought to the the setting, the town, the the idea that it's a you know small town America. Um, one of the things I like when movies do is when they don't have really, really high stakes where like if the main character doesn't do this, everyone in the world dies. It's right. just it gets it's too I love when a movie can take something with such small, almost inconsequential stakes and make you care about it. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, why am I supposed to care about a tiny school from Indiana trying mm-hmm. to make it to the state championship? That doesn't I don't care. I don't yeah. even like basketball. Why do I care about that? But they make me care. They make you care. They 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 bring you along for the ride and they get you invested. You feel for the characters, you enjoy it. Um that being said, I think this is another movie that suffers from like the weird 1980s awkward, unintentional, unnecessary romances. Not mm. unintentional, unnecessary romances. Mm. That one scene, like what's going on with the guy in a, with the principal, uh, Barbara Hershey? Yeah. yeah. Are you referring yeah. to? Yeah. You, yeah. Not, no. You didn't buy the romance? No, no. Mm, no. In fact, I would say if you just cut the one scene where they kiss, mm-hmm. you cut that one scene, mm-hmm. the rest of the movie is fantastic. I feel like theirs is more of a, their peers, their friends, they. Yeah. Have res- mutual respect. That's the kind of journey I want to see them go on. Not that they're feel like something's missing from that. Yeah, and it's just. Yeah. I actually um, think there's a lot missing from the movie, and we can get into that in a little bit. Like, I feel like stuff was shot and yes, not, does yes. not exist in the film. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like there were a lot of there was definitely the editing. I thought at parts lacked. There were weird cuts where there wasn't like there was no transition, or there was like the pacing got weird at certain. And I can't. I couldn't even tell you which one in particular. But there was a scene that I felt like some scenes were cut short or. Um, Things like that, and, and I, I, you know, overall, I, we can get into the details more and more. But um, overall, I liked it. it. wasn't perfect, but it was enjoyable. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think it might suffer from a little bit of like the '80s craft, where it's not quite up to the same standard. I think movies today are as far as like sharpness and mm-hmm. tightness. But uh, it's good. Okay, Dave, tell me why this is your favorite movie of all time. <laughs> why is this the best movie? I would- why Never does made. this movie make you love all movies? Go. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> start from your youth. Start from your youth. Let's start early. Start, start early on. When, back when, you were back when I was 64 years old and I saw this movie for the first time in the 80s. <laughs> when I used to play high school basketball and I was six feet tall. No, I actually did play basketball, but it was on my synagogue. <laughs> Believe it or not. So everyone was five foot four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very short and we did not do well. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have a whole discussion about Dave's JCC basketball. This could spin up a whole other podcast, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, so <laughs> probably not. Um, anyway, no, I saw this movie at a time when uh, I mean, I saw it on VHS and I liked it a lot. And I, you know, one of those movies that I just I, I dubbed—that's what they called it. You, you would, you oh, would, I did that all would, the time. You would, you would hook up your my camcorder to the VCR, and I would dub it over, and mm-hmm. I would just have this on. Every so often, and any time I, you know, just wanted something inspirational on, and uh, I, you know, I, I, even to this day, watching it again, it, it, it I, I love this movie. I mean, it's, and I, I, I recognize its faults. Um, there's definitely uh, some holes in, you know, that uh, I think the filmmakers would probably admit to, um, but watching it now, I feel like uh, it's. It, it holds up better than some of the other inspirational movies we've seen. And I, I want to say, and this might be... Like Top Gun? Well, yes, definitely better than <laughs> Top Gun. But, you know, Field of Dreams, for instance, I think is a, is a really good movie. But I think that um, this movie, this movie, what really uh, has made it a little more timeless for me is, is Gene Hackman. And Gene, Gene Hackman, hmm. Dennis, and, Jen, and Dennis Hopper. Gene Hackman, I remember asking you when we were when I was talking about Hoosiers. Do you, oh, have you seen movies with Gene Hackman? This is the only movie you've seen with Gene Hackman. Is that, is that correct? Correct. Is that correct. Can, you, can I weigh in? Because that was something I skipped. 
I skipped a lot of stuff in my synopsis. So other well, things I want. Well, let me finish. And then okay. You finish okay. Gene, but Gene, but I just wanted you're to ask. At, you're both looking at me. Okay. The quick question was that watching Gene Hackman, did you rec- recognize him from any other movie? Oh no, I know I haven't seen him in anything else. So you I don't see I mean, the movie Unforgiven, the Clint no. Eastwood movie. Oh, I have, but I don't. I don't. He played the. He the won an sheriff? Oscar for playing the sadistic sheriff. Okay, in maybe Unforgiven. I have seen him then. Uh, and reading about this movie again, I was going back through his uh, Gene Hackman's uh, career, and he's. You know, he, he, he was very prolific, but uh, he hasn't done anything in over 10 years. He kind of retired from acting earlier than most actors, I think, in his early 70s. Hmm. And uh, I really, you know, watching this movie makes me realize how much I miss Gene Hackman. I mean, he was fantastic hmm. in movies like The Royal Tenenbaums, The French Connection. Um, there, there are other smaller movies that maybe people don't know, like, that, well, movies that were large at the time, but like No Way Out with Kevin Costner, which he was really good in. Uh, the Birdcage with Robin Williams. I think that's one of the reasons I actually thought of this movie. Uh, we were th- talking about Robin Williams movies last time, and uh, The Birdcage is one of my favorite uh, movies with him and Gene Hackman in it. Uh, he plays this conservative sen- senator in that movie. Uh, but he's one of these actors who's you always um, you always see complexity going on. You, you, he's always he always seems to be thinking, but it's in a different way than say Robin Williams, where it's all kind of out there. You know, Robin uh, with Gene Hackman is more contained, hmm. and in, it's interesting for me to watch him in a movie like this because he's usually more. Um, he usually has more of an edge, a little more of a, of a villain, villainous side to him, like it Lex Luthor or in Superman, the original Superman movies from the seventies. Or that um, Hugh Grant movie that no one remembers the name of. Yes, yes, yes. The uh, you're not God. You are not God. <laughs> you are not God. <laughs> he plays Wait, some I'm, sign. I'm sorry. Did, did Hugh Grant just come inside the studio? That's <laughs> he did. He's, oh, he's oh, on his he, way out. He's hey. leaving now. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Oh, Stop by, man. Have fun with that uh, prostitute. We'll what are you doing? Hang, hang on. I'll be right back. I gotta go. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. so yes, Gene Hackman is a terrific actor, and it's it's it w- it's great to see him in a role where he is. Um, He's able to use that that kind of complexity and intelligence to like uh, a good end, where it seems it's about this guy who needs redemption, and it's about a town. You know, it's about someone who's uh, basically, you know, it's like a fish out of water story, right? He's like he's coming from like the navy. He probably fought in World War World War Two at this point. He was a coach for like a large uh, college team, and you don't see any of that, but they they talk about it, and they talk about it just enough so that you get a sense that there's this world beyond the small town of Hickory where the movie takes place. Um, and, uh, you know, he anchors it. I think with, you know, it probably, I think originally the uh, the filmmakers had Jack Nicholson in mind for the for the cast, oh. which I think would have been a bad choice. And then they had Robert Duvall as a, ba- as a second choice. Bobby Doves? Robert Duvall would have been a great... That actually would have worked out Would have well. worked out well. Yeah. But uh, Gene Hackman, uh, you know, was, is probably on par with Robert Duvall in terms of, of one of my favorite actors. And, uh, you know, he... He does great with it. I mean, he just he's he's he's, he's tender. He's tough. He's he's you know moving. The, the so love, everything the you love, want in a man. The, yeah, everything I want in a man. It, you know, the love story stuff doesn't really work. I like Barbara Hershey as an actress. Uh, yeah, she was good. Yeah, yeah, she's she's a good actress. I like her too. Yeah, and, oddly uh, attracted to her in this movie. Yeah, she's, mean oddly. She's always she's kind of an older woman. Yeah, yeah she's, she's attractive, strong. You know, and and I'll admit to this right now. Uh, oh boy. Shortly before we I watched rewatched this movie, I for the first time. Forced myself to watch Beaches with my wife. <laughs> Wait, why? I'm sorry. Are you saying because it was one of these movies we, she grew up do, with. Why, why did, did I not, submit no, myself? No, 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 no. Why didn't we not do that for the podcast? I've never seen Beaches. Beaches because it's not a good movie. No, no, it's uh, not a good movie. <laughs> I would not. I would not. How subject do I know you to, unless I review it, Dave? Yes, at the reviewed podcast. Anyway, dot com came out around the same time. <laughs> same time as Hoosiers. Um, and, uh, you know, and we should also, I also want to quickly mention before we move on to you is uh, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper is in this movie and in this performance, he was nominated for his first Oscar, Best Supporting Actor. It came out the same year as Blue Velvet, which is is now universally regarded as one of like the top 200 movies ever made. The Blue. And, and, and his performance in that movie as, uh, I forget the villain's name, but uh, his uh, Frank, uh, Frank somebody. Uh, is is considered one of the greatest villains of all time, and everybody now probably thinks that he should have been nominated for that movie, uh, and maybe he should have. But I really like him in Hoosiers, and he, he's playing this uh, yeah. alcoholic who's uh, you know again it's another redemption story. There's a lot of redemption stories in this movie, mm. uh, and in real life he was you know a former alcoholic, and and this was kind of a, a big turnaround point turning point in his life, and uh, you know it, it it comes it comes through in his performance. It feels really honest and true, and. Um, 
You know, this movie doesn't have a lot of false notes except for the romance. It has, it just feels, yeah. you know, it, 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 it could be really mushy I'll and say sentimental. This. There is a false note. It happened several times. Sure, go ahead. The score by... <laughs> the, the score! score. No. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Did you not like the score either? Okay. Let me, let me, let me, let me get some stuff out. We'll come back to the I false note. I used to have note. the audio cassette of this movie, the score, and listen to it over and over. Okay. Years ago. Here's what I think about Hoosiers. Yeah. It's a good movie. Okay? Yeah. Okay. And, and I think... You, no one's stupid enough to admit that it's not. It, None of us are going to do that. I don't think... If you find that person that says Hoosier sucks, they're probably a dick. Mm. All right? Because Hoosiers is a good movie. And I love underdog sports <laughs> movies. Love them. My favorite comedy of all time is an underdog sports movie. What's that would that? be Major League, which uh, is the greatest comedy mm. of all time. I think I'm and I both no, begrudgingly no, no, enjoyed no, this movie. No. We're like, yeah, it's probably The greatest comedy of all time is Major League? You need to watch it again, my friend. I have watched... No, 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 you need to actually watch it. Anyway, let me, uh, here's the deal. I <laughs> think oh, the, <laughs> the thing, I think Mike actually said it very eloquently just then. I really did not want to like this when I rewatched it mm. because I was like, it's going to be cliche yeah. and it's going to have all these things about it. And then I watched it again and I'm like, damn it, it is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I went into it like, oh, this stupid movie about a bunch of hicks playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I and like I, these guys. I always, yeah, whenever something that, that is meant to be sentimental works on me, I feel like um, I lost in some way. <laughs> like I, um, it got you. Like I am a simpleton that some, somehow <laughs> fell for it. Um, because I do think this movie does get you and you care about everybody in it. Mm-hmm. And, you ca- you, and like Dave said, it's a redemption story for almost every character in the movie, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a redemption story for Gene Hackman, obviously, because he's coming back from a troubled past. Mm-hmm. It's a redemption story for the alcoholic played by um, Dennis shoot, Hopper. Shooter played by Dennis His Hopper. His son. It's a de- for the, the basketball son, player. For mm-hmm. the uh, it's a redemption story for you know the crappy basketball player because even he mm-hmm. has his moment to shine. And right. then so everyone's kind the of the good basketball player who comes back. Mm-hmm. The town itself. Yeah. Everyone mm-hmm. feels the seasons because winter's coming back. It's going to be <laughs> wait winter. Winter's coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's cyclical. Winter <laughs> yeah, after, well, after fall. And that, I think, is done very well in this movie. I, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And But that being said, I think that there are a number of flaws. And I don't think this is the, the greatest underdog sports movie of all time or anything like that. And that's Major League? Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, so funny. what is the greatest underdog, underdog sports movie? Oh. I'd have to think about it. I would. Can I answer as a television show? We had two weeks to think can about I, it. Can I answer as a television show? <laughs> sure. Go ahead. I think it's Friday, Friday, Night, Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights, yeah. I'll give you Friday Night Lights as a bit yeah. Because overall. I think that takes everything I love about Hoosier's small mm-hmm. town, mm-hmm. characters yeah. that you really care for, mm-hmm. but um, adds a level of depth. Sure. Um, which only a TV show can. Right. Because um, of the amount of time you have to yeah. But in it, terms yeah. of like sports movies, oh, and I'm sorry, I, I did think of the movie that's the best underdog sports oh, movie of whoa. all time. It's Rocky. So there you go. Okay, I give, I'll give you Rocky. Take that, Dave. But you know what? Eat this it. is the best underdog sports movie in which the underdog wins. Oh, <laughs> I have encounter. Rocky What are you going to do about that? <laughs> oh, Dave, your turn. <laughs> Incorrect. Um, but here, in, in watching this again, a couple things kind of just really nagged at me. And a couple of them seem like minor things, but mm. they were all very plot-based. And I feel like the the strongest part of the movie is actually the start of the film. Mm. And I feel like after the great sequence in the town hall mm. where Jimmy says that I won't play unless Coach plays. I play, Coach stays, Coach leaves, I go. Which I think is like, yeah. I think the best scene in the movie for me, mm. my favorite scene in the mm. movie. Um, after that, I feel like the movie kind of lost a little something. I think, I, think, was, I think it's because probably it got too easy, right? Because it he almost was just, got too easy he was the only, because yeah. they just started winning. And you mm-hmm. don't really see why they're winning other than the fact that they have the best ba- the basketball player mm-hmm. in the area playing for them. Which, which and is I, why. And I think the major issue here is I'd argue that as awesome as, um, what's his name, Dale? Is Coach Dale? Mm-hmm. Norman Dale. Norman Dale. Coach Norman Dale is. And how I love his tenderness and, as you said, his mm. uh, strictness, like mm-hmm. both together. Mm-hmm. He's not that good of a coach. And you never actually... <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't know, but... It, you, you never, but you never actually see, see him doing things mm-hmm. um, where his coaching is what causes them to win. In mm-hmm. fact, he gives them instructions. They deliberately ignore him and mm-hmm. it ends up working. Like he tells staff <laughs> not to shoot the basketball and staff but does see, shoot the you know, basketball. I, but no, no, no. But, but I, I, I want to point out the point that was I think he's trying to get them to be more disciplined. And I think mm-hmm. he's trying to get them to just be more controlled instead of going out there, throwing the ball, going for every single shot. It, it happened to be that the guy was getting 
as sinking baskets, and that's why it looked like it was supposed okay, to be I want to point out, I want to interrupt both of you and just point out, okay, because, cool. because I, feel I, really getting I can't, with, no, no, I can't contain myself with this one. <laughs> I'm going to explain to you why that, that you're in, you're incorrect here, because there's, oh. in, it's in the last scene of the movie. Yeah, it's the big victory scene. You mean where he tells Jimmy not to shoot the ball and he shoots the ball anyway? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. He, you're, you, you, I don't know what you were watching, but he said, okay, here's what oh, we're going to, here's what man. we're going to do. So if, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to break this down to what this movie is about. So it's about the coach, it's about the coach teaching the team discipline. It's about the, the team teaching the coach to kind of loosen up a little bit. If you want to just simplify it, right? Because at the end he learns to trust his team. He, uh, he says, mm. here's what we're going to do. You know, we have, you know, 10 seconds left. This is the plan. You're gonna you're gonna follow my instructions, and then you know they all look at Jimmy, this heroic basketball leader, star of the team, and uh, they know that the right thing to do in this situation. They all want to just give it to him because he's gonna make the shot. Town's gonna love it. He's gonna make it. He looks at uh, Gene Hackman, says, "I'll make it," and Gene Hackman has this kind of just look on his face where he's like, "Okay, all right, I trust you," you know. So he does change. It's like he, he you know, he does change in the movie. Not just in this, you know, redemption story, but also in how he actually coaches. So I don't know much about basketball coaching, so I don't, I don't know what well, he could I just, have been. Um, I mean, th- this is something like I always have with these movies: is like the coach comes in, does these wise, countercultural, counterintuitive things, and mm-hmm. they end up working. Like, right. like he, doesn't do a, he doesn't really do a lot of that. He's, he's no, he like, from does. The, he's he, like, don't shoot for the even though the guy can make the baskets. Don't I want you passing instead. Like, right, oh, right. Stuff like well, that, where you're like, I, that kind of stuff. See, Which, but I liked that because that was him actually coaching. That right. was him telling them right. to be no, more disciplined. I get that. Well, he's making points, right? I mean, that's how he's coaching. This is I'm sorry. The point I make is that yeah, every one of these movies you have a coach that does the counterintuitive thing, and you need to explain why he he's doing it mm-hmm. so you know oh it's because he wants to get these kids more disciplined because they have a problem with being disciplined so mm-hmm. and i feel like that kind of if, if they hadn't shown that i would have been like oh well he's just doing these random weird things that are going to help people but you have to understand why he's doing them um but again i i, I wanted to, to, to raise your point ivan i feel like they won because jimmy joined the team and it could have been the fact that both of them were you know it was jimmy joining the team and he was a good coach but i don't feel like we saw enough of just his work and that's why i thought we we're at some point jimmy's gonna have to break a leg or something and he can't shoot and it has to be the team and it has to be the coach yeah. to get him through and it doesn't really happen. Well, I'm, glad, I'm glad it didn't happen. Yeah, I am too because I feel like that would have been a different cliche that right. they would have and to And there was also one big cliche right, was missing that there really wasn't like a villain in this movie. I mean, there were some townsfolk that were that were like, you know, I, you know, making life hard for the first half of the movie for Gene Hackman. And, to- and they totally fade away. Like they right. go away in the second half. Right, well, if they could have stuck around and become a real like you know, you know, like a, like Johnny and the Karate Kid or something. You know, they could have. Ooh, that's another good underdog you know, movie. You know, mm. you know what I mean? Like or best the, sports movie ever. They, they avoid that cliche of like uh, of the villain who he has to defeat at the end, and it's just it's not you know it's not about that. It's not this is not a movie about the villain that. is resistance to change. Well, I mean, I think your point is apt, Dave, because they could have easily made some evil team mm-hmm. like West Hickory, right? And they're like the evil basketball team that's like out the for rich, blood. Right. rich and basketball they're the rich, team, they're the rich basketball team. But you don't even learn who the opponents are at all, right? And yeah. and they even have like the uh, I don't know what the word is, maybe the grace at the end to actually show they don't just show the team celebrating at the end. They, they show they, the other they, guys losing. They show the other yeah. guy losing. They show the coaches shaking hands. They show yeah. you know they show the players kind of like what it's you know what it's like to lose gracefully and and uh you know you get a little bit of that at least a little taste so it's like you know there's a lot of kindness in this movie too so i you know i like that so it's not a movie so much about competition as it is about uh just doing your best you know? well if that's the case i i would have preferred i would have preferred less basketball montages yeah. especially because a lot of the actions within the montage are hard for me to correlate like the effect it was having on the game. Like you would just see a lot of baskets being scored, but mm-hmm. I don't feel like there were whole plays shown in a way where you kind of understood the narrative of the game. And I think that's a filmmaking issue with the movie that um, you don't quite grasp their trajectory through the basketball. Mm-hmm. I think everything else off the field is really well done, but I think yeah. on the field there's some issues there. Yeah. And, the, and this is a plot hole. Um, in the beginning of the movie... Two guys walk off the team. Yes. And the end of the movie, that guy's back. Buddy. And, and Buddy. he never, they never yeah. show him coming back. He's just yeah. freaking sitting. Like, 
It, that's they, a big, they should only have six people or seven people. Or whatever I didn't even eight. notice that. Wait, so, the, so two of them walk away. They the guy with come the back? the guy with the flat top who was a little more muscular, buddy. And uh, I didn't. I only thought there was a scene that they even filmed. Noticed the first you could, guy came back. No, because they have eight people on the bet. They have an eight-player team, oh. and they they should only have a seven-player team. Right. It right. makes no sense why they didn't. There's a scene they filmed that you can find online where it's this guy coming back and asking, "Can you give me a second chance, coach?" Why not just I include that? I in don't the know. Movie? I don't and, know and because talk, they had to put in a scene of him making out with the woman in the field that does nothing. You cut yeah. out the Barbara Hershey scene, or at least change the way yeah. that ends, and then you've got space to yeah, add that scene. It, it really, in. and it was only a couple minutes. It's just, it's kind of it's a scene they could have, they should have put back. But it in. really bugged me because I'm like, yeah. how did that guy I, come back? I didn't yeah. notice it. Had I, I would have been like, when did that happen? They should have yeah. shown. Yeah, they should have dedicated time to that. That is without a doubt a flaw of the movie. Yeah, we can all agree on that. Yes, we can. <laughs> so, so go ahead, Dave. But other than that, I mean, you were saying you guys were saying there were some other. Uh, plot holes like things that that feel like they were unfinished i feel like um the town's acceptance of him is immediate again i think there's issues after that scene in the town hall right i think that the guy they set up to be the major villain he's also in major league coincidentally chelsea, chelsea ross is that his name chelsea I think, ross I think, I think asked, yeah. uh, he was the coach in uh uh rudy which is the same director and same writer this was the, the movie they followed this up with was rudy he was um, the coach at the end of Rudy. Um, perhaps. But mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> I think he's in Major League as well. But he, I, I, I feel like he kind of drifts he, away. He I guess he's the only villain. If you had to pick a villain, I guess it would be him. I right. don't think any one person. It was more of the town itself. And I think the fact that they weren't. It, the town I, itself wasn't. I, I kind of love that guy, though. I mean, he has. Oh, uh, I liked him, too. Oh, yeah. I, think- I, I love the uh, the line, where, you know, where he's he's filling in a substitute coach and Gene Hackman walks in and he's. Uh, He's saying there's two kinds of stupid, Mister. <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. remember exactly. There's something about running buck naked, howling at the moon, and then the one that the same guy who does that in my backyard. The first one I don't really care about. The second one becomes way. And Gene Come, Hackman just problem. has this classic yeah. Gene Hackman look, and he's like, "Can you translate? Is that a threat?" <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, I I just feel like the pacing kind of deflated for me in the second half, <laughs> and let's talk about this infamous. I used score. to get so caught up in this movie, and like a. You know, it, used yeah. to, it didn't matter the pace that the pacing was off. Sorry, the score. I like the score. Oh uh, yeah. Oh god. Okay. Well, here's here's my gripe. Hey, wait, hold on. I'll let you gripe. Go ahead. Gripe go ahead. Away. I will gripe. I will concede that it's overplayed in this movie, and I, I think that it, they use it too much. But I'm a fan of very catchy scores, mm-hmm. and this is undeniably a very catchy oh, score. Yeah. So. And you combine that, and if you put this score in a movie today, I would think it's ridiculous. But the fact that this movie takes place in the 1950s and was made in the 80s, mm-hmm. I'm cool with See, it. that's exactly yeah. my... Okay, so this is, the, this is one, of my, one of my problems with the movie. I, I didn't neglect to mention earlier. It's a 1950s movie, but it feels like an 80s movie. Hmm. And the I would only, I would the only reason... Okay, for me, the only reason why I know it's a 1950s movie is they had 1950s cars in the beginning, mm-hmm. and that was it. Everyone was dressed in brown. That's about it. The music... <laughs> Had nothing to do with the fifties. It was all well, the eighties. Yeah, they, they, like, it was it was a relatively low budget movie. They probably didn't have a large budget for uh, for for music. But it's something. But something. Si- uh, come on. I mean, it I, might have given like, some more texture. You look at a movie like LA Confidential. That was the nineteen fifties. Right. Is that right. right? Yeah. Okay. Think about how what's his name was dressed. Uh, Russell Crowe was dressed in that right. like overly baggy white shirt right. with the long short sleeves. Mm-hmm. You know and. That look, it just looked so much more the, the time period. This yeah. movie was like it didn't look. Like, it felt like what the well, 50s they didn't were go supposed out of its to, way to to do it. Like Dennis Hopper's character is always dressed in kind of rags. Gene Hackman always has a shirt and a tie like a yeah, coach would have. But it didn't. I, I don't know what it is. It didn't. But it felt like 1950s were supposed to be in the 80s. I felt like. Hmm. And and the thing is, if you soundtrack is so important. I, and I am often I don't notice soundtracks. I get mm-hmm. affected by them, which is how I prefer it to be. I don't really even notice the songs. I don't notice the melodies. I just know how, I feel, how they make me feel like afterward. Mm-hmm. This movie I heard every single time it queued up, and it just sounded so jarring to me. Mm-hmm. And it didn't—I don't think it fit the subject matter at all. Like, it, why was it this techno '80s like synth drums? You're definitely going to cut. It, you're definitely cutting in some cues of, of the uh, soundtrack okay, Dave, into this on, podcast. Hold on. I demanded this time. I am going to play. <laughs> I'm going to play. You're going to play right now. <laughs> Mike, shut up. I'm going to play the score <laughs> now.
Okay, that Again, was a score. I, that I was fantastic. Hear, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> I, I'm deaf. I don't know. Okay. So, you know, for, you know, for whatever reason, I was looking up things about this movie to talk about before the podcast, and one of the things was the score, who we should mention was... Uh, was composed uh, by Jerry Goldsmith, who is responsible for movies like uh, Alien, the original Alien, uh, and Rudy, which is probably more orchestral, less uh, more less synthesizers in that movie. Uh, Rudy is you, you, if you I want. Know, I'm doing Foley effects. Over oh, here. good. <laughs> no, you know you didn't actually hear the sound of the, of the uh, bourbon pouring. I pouring. Want, I want to just point just out in the last. I'm struggling with the gigantic fifty gallon <laughs> bottle of bourbon. 50 gallon. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, some interesting things about the soundtrack. Uh, you know, the beats were actually basketballs. He actually recorded the sounds of basketballs. Doo, doo. Yes, <laughs> La- laser basketballs, just like Mike is suggesting. <laughs> Wait, the percussion the was percussion, The percussion, a good uh, bit of it was actually basketballs. You can look, you, there's a website called Film Tracks where you can read about um, soundtracks. And uh, yeah, it, a lot of basketball recorded sounds. It was a mixture of electronic and orchestral and uh, there's some just beautiful melodies in this movie. That opening uh, driving sequences, uh, oh, uh, driving sequence where Gene Hackman's driving into the town, and it's just like this oh, I love that kind of haunting sequence. kind of. There's not love much. It. It's just like <laughs> I love what you're looking kind of, at me like, yeah, it was great. It, I, I don't, well, I don't know. Are you sarcastic or not? No, no, no. no. He, he, he really did like it. Yeah, rubbing it in my face because yeah. I hated it. Probably. I think the first half of this movie is really good, right. almost flawless. And there's yeah. this, you know, that the scene you're talking about, the uh, town hall scene, where it cuts to, uh, you know, the guy ripping up the letter. It's a big cliche, and he says, "The coach stays." And and <laughs> they cut to the. They, they have this great cut, this great uh, shot of. This is really well shot basketball scenes, and it, it doesn't go. Do you? <laughs> that's, that's the new boy yelling from the fugitive. <laughs> no, I, I'm looking a little over the top about it. There's it, probably there's just, oh, it's a great music cue, where, and it's, it's a, I agree, that's a great moment because it's a brand new game, gentlemen. Like it's right. like it immediately signifies that things have changed. We are going to be a winning team now. Like it it, 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 it conveys a lot with very little. Right. So I like that. Yeah. Like, and and uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of really great like not not just great melodies, but it's just really rousing. I mean, to me, really rousing score. It always felt felt heavy handed. Emotionally, it even felt yes, heavy handed. It is heavy handed. Like, I agree. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it's the kind of movie I think that uh, requires that. Well, like, um, a lot that, of sports movies. I do. think that's a fine line that you walk with a lot of things because I think everyone wants to feel like that mushy feeling inside. Side, but they want don't want Diarrhea. to feel yes, but they don't want to feel manipulated <laughs> to get to that feeling. Like um, yeah, that's what it felt. It felt so, for a while. It felt like here we go, the music, get ready, guys. And it was so anytime a movie tries to do that, it's walking this very narrow line. And I think Hoosiers is good enough that it never quite crosses over to that you know bad place. It would feel weird if it didn't have like, but, like inspirational music. This this movie, I mean, but I think that. It, it, it gets close at points, but I don't think it quite crosses over. Um, uh, Dave, you mentioned that this director, what's his name, David Anspaugh? Anspaugh. I don't know how to go off the music yeah. real quick for a second. Okay, I just want to pose one question to you guys. Do you think it would have been better or worse if they had gone with something that sounded more 50s? So you say they keep the same melody, right? What are we talking same. about doo-wop music? <laughs> Not a, <laughs> sure, sure. Instead of the doo doo doo, it's doo-wop. Soundtrack by. Elvis. Are we talking like well, Sam Cooke style? I, I, it doesn't matter. I don't want to get into specifics, but something that was more appropriate to the period. Something that is more like makes you feel. We talk about how this movie feels. Mm-hmm. 80s music sounds out of place to me for a 1950s genre movie. Right. I think. Do, I think. I think agree? the same. Keep the same melody. Keep the same right. feeling, but yeah. go with different instruments or different. That. That's kind of like right. Well, there point. was or- it was orchestral mixed with electronic, which was Jerry Goldsmith. Actually, was a very innovative composer. He did a lot of. You know, kind of uh, interesting scores in his career. He passed. I think he passed away about ten years ago. But uh, you know, he, he was pretty great. I, I thought as a as, one of the, as a film composer. I don't know that he ever actually won any Academy Awards, but he always always losing to John Williams. It's something I read. Uh, like he, he lost to John Williams for for Jaws. He lost. To if John you're gonna Williams lose, for, I mean, he's the guy you want to lose to. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just like the idea that they had this big. Um, like rivalry. Tesla Edison rivalry, <laughs> and they're always just like Williams. Get <laughs> ah, you Williams yet again. Um, That'd be amazing no. because they were both really prolific around the same period of time. It seems like right. And in the score that he followed, the movie that they followed this up with was Rudy. Right, that came okay. out. This is my question, Dave. Yeah, I, I really Rudy like or Rudy. Hoosiers. Oh, Hoosiers. Hoosiers. Rudy. Rudy. Yeah, Hoosiers. I'm I mean, I really, Hoosiers and I, too, I really, Rudy's too long. I really like uh, Rudy. Uh, I like Sean Astin and Rudy, but uh, it, it felt a little bit like uh, they were just going through some of the same motions. And, and rewatching that movie in the past, I don't know, five, six years ago, 
it doesn't hold up. It. Doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up quite as well in my, in my opinion. I haven't seen it in quite a while. Mm-hmm. I do know this that um, if you're trying to apply to the school of uh, Notre Dame in your mm-hmm. admissions essay, if you mention the film Rudy, you're automatically declined. <laughs> from the school. Declined. Good. Oh, declined. You're gonna say approved. <laughs> no, because uh, my cousin went to Notre Dame, and when they went to uh, visit the school, they said, "Whatever you do, do not mention Rudy in your admissions essay." Huh. Fun fact. Take it home with you. Wise words. Well, did he resubmit another essay without mentioning Rudy? And then, well, she just <laughs> just wrote an essay that never mentioned Rudy. And she oh, got in. oh, she got in. I see. I, I thought you meant she did mention Rudy. No, and no, then she, she got, got rejected. If I would have done it, I would have incorporated quite, quite well. Magnum oh. cum laude. Good for her. Just like Rudy. No. no one listens to this podcast. Anyway, so this director didn't really do a lot of stuff. David Anspod. David. An- I don't know how you pronounce his name. And the same writer. Um, uh, forgetting the name. Uh, Ange- Angelo somebody, Angelo. Hold on. So they're both from Indiana. And, uh, you know, I think this movie is a little labor. It's like a labor of love for them. And it, I, I feel like it created the opportunity to make Rudy for them. I feel like Rudy was maybe a movie they were trying to get made. And Hoosiers was this movie. They said, well, if we make Hoosiers, we can make Rudy someday. Well, the way I look at it is he doesn't. He didn't have a very, um, his career wasn't that long or mm-hmm. he hasn't made that many right. movies. Yeah. But I mean, if Hoosiers is like the one people remember you for, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Yeah. I'd take that. He it's, made he made another yeah. movie with Andrew McCarthy <laughs> in the early 90s. I can't remember what it was called. But, Angela uh, Pizzo. Angela Pizzo. Okay. the writer of the film. And the same, so they had the same composer, Jerry Goldsmith, and uh, a lot of the same actors uh, from, from Hoosiers. Let's talk about the ending a bit. Okay. Did you feel at all a little unsatisfied? Like it's oh, it's no. so crazy anticlimactic. No. It cuts from the game to a school to the gym to I'm guessing a, it jumps in the that's a future jump, right? Yeah. Which shows a young kid yeah. just just dribbling a ball and they cut to the picture of them winning. It's one of the and most beautiful it. endings in any movie oh, I, I can think of. I agree the shot is great. No, not just the shot. Just But the, don't you want to know what happened to any of the people? No. I don't care. I mean, it's it it it. It's uh, not why Dave watches the movie. It's not, not for the characters. No, no. Well, yes, it's for the characters, but they. No, it clearly it isn't. But I mean, Who it, cares about it. Well, maybe. But it, it comes full. I mean, it starts off with the scenery. It starts off with the Gene Hackman. It ends perfectly with you know this kind of warm. Well, maybe, Are you saying do you want one of those like you well, know this person went on to do no, this because that yeah, would have been cheesy? That. They no. won. They won the game. The town. You know, the town yeah, has maybe, its moment. I may be wrong about this because now that I'm thinking about it, in my head there's this montage where it shows them all doing things. Like it shows Barbara Hershey and Gene Hackman holding hands in the town no, no, and no. then waving. But to, then it like, says Jimmy. like Jimmy actually had his moment of fame and then crashed and burned. <laughs> this movie has a lot of cliche but it avoids some of the worst of them and that, you know the villain you know the the other the, the team yeah, yeah. the rival team the mm-hmm. uh, the kind of ending that probably is feels tacked on that they don't need but you know they, they bring it full circle they have this beautiful cut from the crowd to the cornfield to the basketball field connecting everything together it just kind of sums up in a bit, you know a few simple shots exactly what this movie is about you know about it's it's a very americana kind of kind of ending and you know it, it closes in with uh you know it ends with gene hackman's uh, you know, bits of dialogue from the movie, some of the best things that he said in the movie. And speaking of, and it ends with him saying, "I love you guys," which is just per- for me is just perfect. I mean, it, well, speaking yeah. yeah, well, speaking of avoiding cliches, there is no big speech. Right. There is yeah. no moment where he like where they're down at the second God, half, what a and relief. he has and he has to come to the locker room and be like, "We can win this game if right. we all come together." And which he, I think is good because that's not his that character's style. I think he's kind of very no nonsense. You know, he right. didn't he didn't give Jimmy the speech to get him. He said, "Look, I don't care if you join or not." Yeah. Um, I think that kind of plays into his character. No, he he's he's got it's just a, he's a quieter character except when he's you know on the field yelling at the coach. And he just has this nice moment where he just, you know, gets together with the guys and it's like he real he just recognize you can see it in his eyes, he recognizes how far they've come and how these kids have grown and he just says, I love you guys, you know, that scene and then that's the same Speaking of Gene Hackman, mm-hmm. would you guys have directed him the same way? Because I feel in this movie, I tell you one of the things that bothered me in the movie was Gene Hackman and his his very specifically his laugh. Oh, I, I love, love his laugh. laugh. Oh my God. I hate it because it sounds so fake to me. It my sounds no. like <laughs> that's like a Gene Hackman thing, though. That's his incorrect. Laugh. But that's like no to me. It, it, <laughs> every 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 time he did it, it sounded that so sounds like, like Bush. It sounds like John Stewart's impression of George Bush. Right, <laughs> <it does>. <laughs> <laughs> I really love Gene Hackman's laugh. I'm totally. I love it. Uh, all right. Well, I'm in the minority of this one. I just that's, that's the edge that in you fact, know. I wrote down in my notes. Gene Hackman's little laugh. You know, I wrote down Gene Hackman's yell because I love it when he, you know, his, it, it's kind of just like out of the blue kind of yell. It's like, he's like, you guys better listen to me with, uh, you know, I forget exactly how he says it, but that was he's spot like, on. 
He's like, uh, <laughs> well, he starts off, it's, it's a low register. Then he, it's like the yelling just comes on all of a sudden uh, when he's yelling. It's like, there's this, the first game where they don't listen to him and, and they're back in the locker room. He's like, what I say goes absolutely and without discussion. You know, that's just the way, you know, mm. I wish you would play a clip of it. I'm only going to say this one time. All of you have the weekend. Think about whether or not you want to be on this team or not. Under the following condition. What I say when it comes to this basketball team is the law. Absolutely and without discussion. Guys, let's listen to what he said. Shut up. Yeah, I think like, and I like all. I agree with you on that. On that point, it's I. I didn't like him trying to be like easygoing and laugh. Like it did. It didn't ring true to me. And I think mm-hmm. he, like I thought he would have been much better as like just a pain in the ass, kind of like unlikable, just cur. <laughs> you know, which he is. I think for like I think seventy five percent of the time he's kind of cranky and irritates people and pisses people off. And I liked him. Just go all the way with that. Make that his. Because I feel like for me, that would have been so much more if he's just the guy who's like, no one actually likes really at all, but then they gain respect for him. And he, you know. Well, that's that's the character like 10, 15 years before where, you know, uh, at this point, this is a man who's been, you know, kind of taken away from the, from just, the thing he loves. And he's been, you know, he, he went to the army. He was okay being in the army. And now he's kind of like a, a little bit more humble. Um, but... Oh, Ivan's drawing a picture, so we're just going to watch this. Oh, I just wanted to mark the time that Dave wanted me to put something in the middle. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) You couldn't type that on your laptop that's sitting right here? I I use pen and paper. Pen and paper. Analog. Analog. Yeah, basically, I didn't like his laugh. I'm trying to figure out how to get it out of the movie. Uh, Because, you know, he he comes over as like a villain to me almost, you know? It's something about him. Just this. Well, he's more famous for playing. Yeah, Gene Hackman. Right, that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying in this movie, he he just just go for it. Just be the guy who's just kind of a bad guy. And then you grow to love him instead of. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean that—that's his character, say in the uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Bombs. He's more—he's got that same edge to him, but he's—you know—they don't uh, make him quite as sentimental as they do in, in this movie. But that's the—you know—that's what that character is supposed to be, and then this is what this character is supposed to be. He's—he's not—I uh, don't know. I mean, if you don't like his laugh, what can we do? It's—it's it's a subjective feeling, and yeah, I've always loved uh, uh-huh. Gene Hackman just as an actor in general. He just has such a natural presence. Um, yeah, he—I don't know. Not crazy about him. He did okay for me, and that's the okay. thing. I know he he was unanimously lauded. Everyone loves him. Everyone thought he here's, did a phenomenal Here's your job homework the for the next year. I want you to go and you, I'll watch uh, French Connection. Okay, Gene Hackman. I've French never Connection. seen that. Maybe say that uh, for the podcast. Could put that on the podcast. I'm planning on. I want it. you to watch uh, <laughs> Crimson Tide with uh, Denzel Washington. It's a good movie with uh, terrific Gene Hackman performance. Uh, Are he, is he bad guys in all these movies? He is a good um, guy in the French Connection. That's not okay. a spoiler. And Crimson Tide, it maybe is a spoiler to talk about whether he's a villain or not. But ah, uh, Dave, you just spoiled he's, it by saying that. <laughs> that's, maybe enemy of the state. Uh, enemy of the state. Yeah, he, which we is talk about that every single podcast. And then, that's, that's a good one. Enemy of the I state. I like that movie. I don't know. But why. if you're going to say enemy of the state, you have to also mention the conversation in yeah. 1974 where uh, he plays the, the protagonist. Of that the, film. the protagonist of that film and enemy of the state. It's almost like a riff on his character in the conversation who's a surveillance specialist anyway uh gene hackman one of the best actors real tenant bombs unforgiven go watch unforgiven watch his performance in that I movie. did his scene his his scenes with uh, uh not clint eastwood but morgan freeman are really terrific um and clint eastwood but uh and anyway gene hackman and dennis hopper i mean come on dennis, dennis hopper dennis, however dennis hopper i loved him and i think right. that's somebody who has I would say as a good actor, I feel like I I bought when he was when you were supposed to feel bad for him, you were supposed to like him. I love the guy. You can't help mm. but love that guy. Right. And I think that's someone completely different where I, I had there's like just trust so much more pathos for me. And like I, I wanted to see him succeed. I felt mm. for him when he was struggling versus like just not Did you, you know, buy his uh, relationship with his son? Did that come off? Yes, his, I know? bought it. I bought it absolutely. Though yeah. I didn't understand some of the mechanics of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um because he mentions when he's trying to get sober, he tells his son, we can get a house together. Mm-hmm. Where is the son living now? I was curious about that. that that's another, <laughs> that would be another hole. I, so I would say he's he living with his mother and his mother. But why would he need to get a house that he can live with him in? Because he's already know. living with the mom. He's, he's still, still he's living, he's living in the woods in a shack. I mean, 
But I mean, <laughs> I think it's his way of saying. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think it's just his way of saying, like, "Hey, I want to get it, get it together. We're gonna, I'm going to buy a place. You can come live with me. I don't no, have to be yeah. having a shack." And I think my, that yeah. a lot of those scenes hit too when you see where he's living and all that. I, mm-hmm. I I got a soft spot for. I mean, everyone's got a soft spot for a redemption story. We want that mm-hmm. on film, and mm-hmm. and how awesome is the moment where he has to take over and and right. and, and coach mm-hmm. the team? Right. I mean, he that's plays a great it very well. And, and furthermore, I think it, it was. I think a great uh, not turning point, but a great. Uh, part for his character the pressure from doing that and continuing to do that just drives him back to drinking he, he shouldn't mm-hmm. have been able to handle that that was probably a lot of stress and it kind of put him in a bad spot yeah uh, it was triumphant for him but i mean even when you have a victory sometimes just the the as a nervous person myself i can say like going through something like that would be like wow i mean i pulled that out of my ass but right. i don't know if i can do it the next time i don't know if i can i could see why that drove him back to drinking and right um, the one thing i yeah that's one thing i appreciated about his character is that they didn't uh have him stop drinking and just like stay smooth sailing. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's a little, it's, it has a sense of realism about yeah. actual alcohol, alcohol, alcoholics, uh, you know, and that it's, it's not exact. It's not so easy. You don't just play, start coaching basketball and just suddenly recover. You know, it's a, it's a process. And I, I like that they, well, maybe I do, you know, Dave has. <laughs> maybe I do as I take my sip of bourbon and look at my basketball sitting right here next to me. <laughs> um, Dave literally has a Foley. basketball. Um, <laughs> It's, it's very rare that we actually bring props. Hey, Mike, do you want to compose the score to Hoosiers right now? Here it is. <laughs> Laser basketballs. It sounded just like it, right? It's just like indistinguishable. Um, so yeah, anything else you guys want to cover as we kind of wind down this podcast on Hoosiers? One quick other thing that I read about uh, Dennis Hopper in this movie. There's that scene where he comes on the court drunk after he is oh, coached. And you read this too? Yeah, yeah. Where I read this it's, awesome. on the, it's on the IMDb trivia page. Oh, yeah, it is. Exactly. Why? Well, we don't know that our listeners are going to go to IMDb. So I might as well mention that he spun it. around before, before he spun around in circles before they uh, started rolling, walked out onto the court. And that's, that's how he kind of like got the stumbling. That's kind of, awesome. Kind of, uh, yeah, Dennis Hopper's the man. And it's sad that he's no longer with us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, why couldn't he make it tonight? Was he? Uh, why couldn't he make it? Yeah. I really, he, he's the no longer on the so much better when he was here. Yeah. Then, so much better. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, I think actually, I think he might have had the best performance. And another, another one, I just want to mention one other of my favorite moments. And you were talking about the town hall scene. Uh, aside from the uh, you know Jimmy walking in and saying coach doesn't play, the way Gene Hackman plays that scene where he just kind of calmly says, "I I apologize for nothing." I mean, I love that moment in yeah. in, in the movie. That's yeah, fine uh, because he didn't do anything wrong, Dave. Well, yes, yeah, I guess not. But he's a I stubborn mean, guy. I mean, it's it's the it, it, his character that character could have been like you know I realized that you may and I, I could have done this I could have done that I love that he just kind of sticks with his guns and says I apologize for nothing. Yeah, I, I and my final thoughts in this movie is in reviewing it, it's just a good movie, <laughs> and I wish <laughs> I just, wish I have a little bit of a soft spot for this movie. But I, I wish admit. I would. I wish I had something more intelligent to say about it other than that. Mm-hmm. But I think that there are certain movies out there that they're not aspiring to mm-hmm. inform the world about anything. or it, Sometimes there are just really great... Okay, how? Okay, I'll, I'll pose this question to you, Dave, closing it out. David Fincher has that famous comment about movies and films. Mm-hmm. Is Hoosiers a movie or is Hoosiers a film? And the diff- it's a movie. I would say it's a movie, yeah. yeah. And I wanted a film. And um, yeah. I think it's a really, really good movie. I just mm-hmm. don't know if it has enough beyond that um, to make it... A film. So, so here's my my question agree. back at you: Is uh, what makes a movie like Major League work better for you? And I think that, I think that by the way, Major League is a film. I believe I would say. Nah, nah, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I'll, con- I'll concede that Major a League is a, a movie as well. But mm-hmm. I think that that's the wonderful thing about movies. I think that if you um, you watch this movie a lot as a kid, mm-hmm. right, Dave? Yeah. And I think that as a child, um, you start you you bond to certain movies. And they become a part of who you are growing up. Agreed. And yeah. Major League was that movie for me, which is hilarious because it's an R-rated comedy with tons <laughs> of swearing. But that movie I watched a million Explains times so growing up. Yeah. And that movie had a profound effect about, I mean, the Cleveland Indians were my favorite baseball team because of Major League. Hmm. I would, um, I tried to run like, um, like the way I tried to run like in gym class and stuff and uh, was like Wesley Snipes in that movie. I tried to mimic his motion like while running. <laughs> like that movie had just, had just a profound effect on me and everything Highlight I do. Career, and really. if I were to be exposed to that movie now for the first mm-hmm. time, never having seen it, I'd be like, oh, that was a good movie. But I would mm-hmm. never have the attachment that I do. Agreed, yes. And I think that, yes. and this is with you, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's the yep. same thing. Um, 
we can never go back and have those movies affect us like they do. We can watch movies nowadays and enjoy them. And I think that what I'm learning in doing this podcast is that I can like movies and catch up on old movies and be like, oh, that was a good film, but I'll never, and it's very sad, Mm -hmm. I'll never have movies that change me. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't think. And, or movies. You will, but I, I, probably not. No, I, I would agree with that. Or movies. It's because or movies you're that not, I want to watch a million times. I, that I, I would say. I see yes. a movie that I really enjoy. I'm like, well, probably never going to see that again, even though I really like the movie. Like, right. um, so I just think that it goes it, hand in hand with just you know uh, growing up, basically. Isn't that and, sad and, now, and now that we, you know, not that we're old, but you know, now that we're grown up, it's hard to you don't have the same kind of life changes, uh, changing experiences and. At least not as often, I suppose. And I want to say I think that's kind of that's I think the value of having me on the on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen any of these, and I think Dave mm-hmm. has seen all of them. And <laughs> you know, almost a hundred percent every single podcast has been Dave raving about like this is such a good movie, and I'm like, I'm not, not seeing every it. movie, not for not every single one, but not majority of them, definitely okay. not Top Gun. <laughs> we all love Top Gun, <laughs> but no, I think to that to that degree, I think a lot of it is because if you see them as, as a kid or growing up, I think when you're like just like you said, you're more impressionable, and I think it's it. it I don't like Goonies. I'm going to be lynched for saying that, but a lot of people love that movie because they saw it as a kid. And I'm I think, not a huge Goonies fan either, and it's yeah, and you, yeah, and probably so. So it's, but I just think that that plays a major part in it. Like like Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, you know, a lot of these movies I've seen that I'm like, oh, such good films. That other people are just okay. Like yeah, Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Dave was not very impressed by, it, but for me that was like cornerstone of my childhood. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I think that yeah. is an interesting thing about just cinema and how impressionable you are yeah. when you're younger. Um, so I think that's a good place to end it. Actually, it sounds like a good place. Yeah. So Mike, you know, I, uh, let's. I don't know if you really got into depth on the soundtrack as much <laughs> as we could. You can find me on the web at so mikemirandi.com <laughs> or on uh, Twitter at Come on, Mike let him do his thing. <laughs> and Dave, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on the internet. Dave Glanz on Twitter, G-L-A-N-Z, and DaveGlanzProductions.com. And AdultFriendFinder.com. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> go, go there later on. <laughs> uh, and you can find me at uh, LuckyNightStudios.com and at Ivan Kander. You can email the show uh, at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. If you're listening to this, and I know that there's like three people that are actually listening to this podcast. Shout out to Jen O'Leary. Bam. <laughs> Shout out to Mike's friend. Um, <laughs> to thank, all of our friends. Thank you for listening. Uh, first and foremost. But if you are listening, uh, give us a rating on podcast uh, on, on iTunes just so um, other people may have a potential to find us or rate us on Stitcher and what whatnot. So. God, Sounds we sound great. so desperate. No, I mean, I don't really care if people listen, but you know. But seriously, <laughs> give us a review. I, I honestly don't care that much because if I were, I'd be trying a lot harder to get more people to, to listen. I haven't won success with this. This is effort. really, really hard work, sips his bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's not that kind of thing, but you know, if you enjoy it, show guys, that you enjoyed it. And if you the don't, same, yeah, on the same token, if you want, just give us money. Uh. I don't know about that one. All right, well, guys, if you want to give me money, I'm not going to turn it away. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, uh, next episode uh, is Mike's Choice. And, Mike, what are we watching? 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys, which is going to be a great discussion, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Because it's a really interesting movie to dive into. It's also one of my favorite movies. So, uh, spoilers. (laughs) Spoiler. Oh, God, man. I'm not spoiling the movie. Um, So, we will be talking about Terry Gilliam's uh, 12 Monkeys. So All 12 in, of them. <laughs> until next time, Mike is going to be dribbling a basketball, composing a score. <laughs> okay, sorry. Are you guys ready? Yep. Cool. Yes. Let's do it. Hello and welcome. You really stole my thunder there. (laughs) I don't think that's going to (laughs) work.